0: This is the First Emanuel Lutheran Church Podcast. For more information about us, who we are, or how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org.
1: All right. Hometown. Hometown. How many of you came from a small hometown? Small. And when you've gone back to that small hometown, there were times maybe when you said, oh, this was just so nice and warm, and, just, and maybe there were times you went back and said, glad I left. <laughs> I don't know. The, Jesus came from a small hometown. Archeologists tell us there were maybe 20 to 24 homes. It was an extremely small community that was extremely Orthodox Jewish. Okay, because he, he came from the town of? Nazareth. Nazareth. Who else grew up in Nazareth? Probably Mary and Joseph. And Mary is having a child out of wedlock. Oh. What do you think a town of 20 homes has to say about that? Which, by the way, they're extremely conservative. Must have been a challenge, right? Well, today we're going to find Jesus heading back to his hometown. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you. Um, I suppose we could say your hometown is heaven, but we do know that when you took the mantle of flesh upon you, that you grew up in Nazareth. And as you make your trip back to Nazareth, there were some challenges, Lord. And we just pray that as we walk with you, as we journey with you, that we would be able to see the joy of knowing you for who you really are. And so let your Holy Spirit strengthen us in this time, amen. All right, so this comes out of Luke chapter 4 and it says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. What kind of news do you think this was? What kind of what what do you think was being broadcast? Okay, all the things that he's done. This guy has healed the sick, and my goodness, he's he's powerful and does miracles. Well, he taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Well, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Oh, I do want to point out at this particular juncture The preacher sat, the people stood, okay? Which may be coming back into vogue here. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. It was a stellar sermon isn't this joseph's son they asked jesus said to them surely you will quote this parable to me physician heal yourself do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in capernaum i tell you the truth he continued no prophet is accepted in his hometown i assure you that there were many widows in israel in elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. And Yet none, not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Well, they got up, drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Well, that started off rather promising. It ended up rather troubling, don't you think? Yeah. So let's do this. Why do you think the people were rather excited at the beginning? Oh, it would be fun to see one of these miracles that we've been hearing about. What else? It's him. It's him. I'm the Messiah, I grew up in your midst. Oh my goodness, this is kind of unusual because where do we expect the Messiah to come from? Down Jerusalem, right? That's where all the highfalutin Hebrews are, yeah. Think of this, Jesus, who's become very popular has come back home maybe he'll set up headquarters here and he'll put us on the map wouldn't that be great we can open up a little gift store we can have bobblehead jesus right that would be kind of fun and then we could have we could have oh we could have a, a, like a snack shop Cheeses of Nazareth. (laughs) Wouldn't that be good? That would be nice. We could open up restaurants and hotels, and we who have been the insignificant town of the Middle East would be put on the map because of Jesus. Now, if you've been to Nazareth, Nazareth is a rather large city today. Jesus did put them on the map, but not at this particular point. There's some challenges. Well, let's review where Jesus has been journeying. And he, we began at the Jordan River, the waters of baptism, what happened? Well, he was inaugurated into his mission here. And then he went in the wilderness. What happened in the wilderness? Tempted. 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 You'll notice some bookends in, in Jesus' life. He's baptized at the beginning of his ministry when he dies, they put a spear in him, and what comes out? Water. So we've got water going on. Well, let's go, the, the next place Jesus goes is into the wilderness to be tempted, and he's alone. Uh, before they put the spear in him, he's nailed to a cross, and he's alone there in a spiritual wilderness, and he's tempted. If you are the Son of God, turn stones into bread, and at the end, if you're the Son of God, come on down. Well, let's go. After the wilderness is Nazareth, and he's rejected by the very people that he came to save, by the people he grew up with. Well, before he was nailed to a cross, he was rejected by the church that he came to save. So do you see how things are bookending, if you will? Yeah, so uh, here we have our friend Jesus, who goes back home. Uh, It seems like he ruined everything. It was going so well until he said, oh, why don't you do here what you do all over the place? And then he goes into this, oh, Elijah never healed the Hebrews. It was a foreigner. And Elisha didn't take care of the Hebrews. He went to foreigners. And this is what turns them off. It does not go over well at all. And and Jesus, actually, if we said that Jesus had a, A headquarters, it would probably be Capernaum, right? It's not going to be Nazareth. So the next leg of his journey, verse 14, the opening verse, says that the Spirit empowered Jesus. For what is he being empowered? He's going to do a lot of miracles. You better believe it. Yep. Because he
2: wanted to see Yeah,
1: yeah. Anytime you hear about a, a miracle, people want to come flocking to Jesus, either to watch it or to have a miracle performed on them, right?
2: Or I'll lunch.
1: Or, or have lunch, a free lunch. Yeah. Well,
0: he has to spread the good news and teach the good news. Otherwise, when he leaves, it be
1: done, right? Yeah. So part of the empowerment is getting the next group ready. Right? It's, it's transitional time for Jesus. Think about this. He only has three years. Only three years. And, and he's going to have 12 people who have been very close and they're going to be given this responsibility and there's others who believe in him. But it's only three years for this transition. Something has to be done quickly. Yeah.
0: So why wouldn't it have made more sense to train the people in the temple though? Priests and stuff because they already knew, it. he just had one little hurdle to get over, which was, I'm it. Whereas these other people, they might have really not gone to church every Sunday, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Good question. So why why is it that why Saturday, right? <laughs> why is it Jesus decided to to take these twelve people who are not what we would consider to be the theological giants of the time, instead of Oh, people like Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea. Why didn't he just settle in with the Pharisees and say, "Okay, let me open this up to you? And I think the challenge came in that the Pharisees, maybe I should put it this way, they were too far gone. Their idea of what a Messiah was going to be was so far off the picture that they couldn't be brought in in three years. So if you look at the early part of Jesus' ministry, he does hang around a lot with some of these Pharisees because the the Pharisees are going to follow Jesus, right? The Pharisees kept an eye on John the baptizer because he's drawing a lot of people to him. The Pharisees are keeping an eye on Jesus, and you notice there's always a contingent that are hanging around. I think, my belief is they hung around at first because he was pretty interesting, and then it turned into we're going to hang around with him because he's very damaging to to who we are, you know, that, that he's putting an end. So I think for Jesus, it was easier to start with a blank slate, right? So if the, if the disciples are at like level zero, oh, we'll give them benefit of the doubt, one. <laughs> the Pharisees are already down here in the negative territory. So I, th- I think that's kind of where, where it's at, yeah. Who is it that told me it, it's... Uh, I was talking to a contractor, and he says, if I get an old church and have to redo an old church, and I'm, I'm talking like a 100-year-old church and get it up to code, it costs a lot more money and so much more time than if I built something from the ground up. I don't know, I'll talk to a builder. Is that true, Kathy? If I had a 100-year-old home, old stone home, I got to get it up to code and everything, just build the new home. It's cheaper. It's going to be quicker. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where Jesus is with these disciples. Yeah. Difficult for the business when they recruit somebody that was successful in the oh. business because they're like, well, why is he here and change this and do this? Yeah. You know, whereas when you can mold them kind yeah. Of in the way. So even if a new CEO comes in, yeah, there's a new sheriff in town, but we're used to this old CEO, yeah. right? Or a sales manager kind of thing. So, so we're gone yeah yeah sometimes not all the time not always but but no i i i like where you're coming from on that i think oh i'm sorry Beth. i think some of these pharisees were were so they were so sure of themselves that they really didn't need that kind of a but, but when you look at the disciple especially guys like matthew i mean that guy there was nothing that he could brag about in himself. He was an outcast. And to have, have Jesus share with him life and good news, it, it, it was actually invigorating. When the Pharisees hear about Jesus' idea of good news, it's, it's frustrating for them. So I think, I think for him it was easier to start with a pile of lumber and start building. Yeah, good question. James.
2: Pharisees
1: real, real quick. Yeah, once they found out that he was um, theologically, you know, the Pharisees, there's, there's a bunch of different Jewish religious groups. There's Sadducees and Pharisees and the Essenes and, and of all of these groups, the one group that was most similar to Jesus in theology were the Pharisees. So the Sadducees believe when you were dead, you were dead. There's no resurrection. But the Pharisees and Jesus agreed on an extremely important point. You have to be righteous in order to get to heaven. Where they differed is, how does one become righteous? So the Pharisees said, you need to do that yourself. Once we get the term self-righteous. And Jesus was, you can't do it on your own. You got to trust in me. I'm your righteousness. So we had this group who already felt that they were um, righteous before God, uh, that they had already built themselves into uh, God's approval. And then you get these other 12 guys who are, who are saying, you, you really want to pick me. I wonder, I wonder sometimes if those 12 disciples, especially early in the ministry when the Pharisees were there, it was like, oh my goodness, how are we going to go toe-to-toe with these guys? Bill. Um, of course, here in Nazareth, too, um, you said, isn't that Joseph's son? Yeah. Well, he could have really
0: turned it around and said, no, I'm actually the son of God. Yeah. That would have really pushed him off the cliff. <laughs>
1: Nice. That's good. You get a point for that one. Yeah. Um, you know, isn't this Joseph's son? We don't know the whole sermon of Jesus. We do know his sermon, his sermon topic was, uh, today this has been fulfilled in your presence. And he must have talked about that. I'm wondering. Obviously he says, I'm the Messiah. And the response is, that's Joe's kid. This is, this, our, our kids went to school with him. And, and I had him in Hebrew class. Oh yeah, he was smart, but I don't know if I'm gonna call him the Messiah. Yeah, so he's just Joe's kid. So evidently, the people all along had thought, oh, Mary and Joseph, naughty, naughty. You didn't wait till you were married. Child out of wedlock. And they're attributing this Jesus to Joseph.
0: But don't people, you know, like, everybody follows famous people, even if they do dumb things like, I think, the Kardashians. I heard yesterday that that it's been 20 years, and I thought, I don't even know who they are. But anyway, but people hitch themselves, oh, I'm going to dress like them, talk like them, and all of a sudden Jesus comes in, and if I were, like, in the palace and churchy, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to follow somebody who's the son of a carpenter. I mean, wouldn't you follow... Yep, yep. Like reading good begets good. Yeah,
1: right, And and that's really the thought that was going on at the time. When the Messiah comes, he's not gonna be the kid of a carpenter who grew up in Nazareth. This could be the son of the high priest that served in the temple. These are the people that we look for. Now I think maybe this is why John the Baptist had a bit of a following, right? Zechariah. He's 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 from the right neighborhood, but Jesus, you know, the cousin, yeah, maybe not so much.
0: Well, I, just, that's, I, I, don't know, I was just to say something toward that because I think what they were looking for really was a king, somebody who was really strong, who was going to be overcome the Romans and put them in a whole different yeah whole different place.
1: Instead, you get an itinerant preacher who has no place to lay down his head. He depends on the generosity of people in the town or the ladies who are following <laughs> yeah. him. This doesn't really match up to to be. I don't. I don't want to. I'm not trying to elevate Abraham Lincoln to messiah status, but um, seriously, Abraham Lincoln became president of the United States. I mean, his humble beginnings. Uh, wow. I mean, like he was born in like a log cabin, right? And he was a failed businessman, and he suffered with depression to the point where after his girlfriend dies, his friends don't allow him to walk by himself or even have a knife because they fear he's suicidal. That's gonna be the guy who leads the country, restores it, and frees the slaves. Who'd have figured? Who'd have figured? Yeah. Meanwhile, the people who established our country struggled with slavery, even to the point where we almost didn't become a country, kind of like the Pharisees. I'm not gonna equate the Founding Fathers to Pharisees, but they all did come from the right pedigree. And they really struggled with developing a country. government. Yeah. Yeah, so this Jesus, I mean, if he was gonna have a good time, he could have gone to Nazareth, done a couple of card tricks for him, set up shop, and life would have been fine. But wow, he sure turns it around. He taught in verse 15, he taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. This is the area of Galilee. Then he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. So now you have all these people who are very excited because he already has a reputation and it's a really, really good reputation. So, next page. Yeah, Jim.
2: Jesus' miracles. In his home city?
1: You know uh, we find out in the home city he couldn't do a whole lot because the people were just unfaithful, ungrateful. And then they
2: finally said we gotta get rid of him.
1: Yeah, let's just move this guy out of town. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. even to the point they're gonna throw him down the cliff. Okay, that really wasn't the exit to the city, that was one of the forms of stoning. It's some One of the ways a stone, I'm told, is to throw someone off a cliff and then you just pelt them until they die. Welcome home, Jesus. Yeah. Welcome home. So what?
2: They were, they were upset
0: because all their dreams of glory and all of a sudden now now this is going to be the most popular. It's
2: going to be the Disneyland of the Holy Land.
1: Yeah, they would have been Disneyland of the Holy Land. I mean, they would have had people come from everywhere. Yeah. And, and so uh, so I think. I think it goes like this too, you owe us. I remember listening to a pro football player who was, became bankrupt. He had made millions and millions of dollars. And he said, I gave out millions and millions of dollars. I, my high school coach called me and said, you owe me. And I ended up paying his mortgage. You owe me because if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have gotten that D1 scholarship, which wouldn't have gotten you drafted. You owe me. And I think this, uh, there's a little bit of that going on here. We raised you. You know, man, if, if you're this smart and you can do all these miracles, it's because you're from Nazareth. And he's really saying, actually, it's because I'm from heaven. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but Paul came from the right pedigree. Yeah, yeah. But they rejected him, so it's almost like it's the wrong message that they're, I mean, it's like you can't have it's a message. So, so, I mean, no matter who would have said the message, right? Yeah. So, so if it was one of the Pharisees or something, that said, Hey, I'm the chosen one. And that message would, rege- I mean, like today, the message is rejected by what? Six million mil- people. Right.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about the message. And in Jesus case, it's about the messenger. But when we get to Paul, Paul was on the right side of the tracks. I mean, Paul had everything going for him. He even had Roman citizenship, which gave him, you know, an extra wild card to play. But the message was about Jesus and not about self. And so the Pharisees are upset with Paul. Paul, And, and even, here you go, even worse with Paul, you should know better, Paul. You grew up with us. You You had a position of authority. I mean, you're out killing these goofy Christians, and now all of a sudden you're one of them? My goodness, we thought so highly of you, you got got caught up in this blasphemy, yeah. And this this is where our culture is today. Not so much that, hey, we're looking for a different Messiah, but like Pharisees, our culture today, it's about me, it's about what I like to do. There's a reason why people don't want to hang around Jesus. Uh, A lot of people don't want to hang around anyone who's considered a god because then I have to put myself under you. I don't want to be under someone. It's the original sin. (laughs) Don't you want to be your own god? Yeah. Sharon, you had your hand up.
0: Um, This is just a question from the
1: meeting.
0: Um, And he stood up to read. Yeah. So, So everyone's sitting. Can anyone stand up? Or how did that
1: work? Most likely, what happened? Yeah. So in the in the worship service, Jesus would have been the guest preacher. Yeah. And so the yeah so the leader would have said, Hey, here's the assigned reading for today. This is our sermon series is on this. So he opens, and and he you stand when you read the scriptures, and then you hand it to the attendant, and then the preacher sits. and They, they would call it the seat of Moses. You would sit in the seat just of Moses. There he was just sitting there and he stood yep. Oh, yeah. He probably would have been invited. Hey, you know, preacher kid, come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, preached in my home church a few times and, and it's always kind of fun. Um, I was in New York and the church that I grew up in was celebrating their 140th anniversary, so they asked me to come out and preach. Um, the irony of that is, while I was out here, I got the call to be the pastor here. Um, and and uh, afterwards, with cake and coffee, it was all the, the nice little ladies who gave me a hug. I remember you. You used to kick the back of our pew. Or you used to pick on your brothers a lot. And I said, oh, why did I come back? That's it, Jim got it right. Most of them said you were a cute, beautiful little boy. And that's exactly what my mom did say. (laughs) Never, not much. (laughs) So what is so significant about this time and this place for Jesus to read from Isaiah and then preach about it? Is there something specific that it takes place early in his ministry in his hometown? and it happens to be from Isaiah, who talks about a Messiah's coming. Well, the the readings were all pre-scheduled. Yep. And so he really didn't have a choice where he was gonna read from, so. But why does it make it so ideal? Well, that right there. He is the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I wonder how this would have played if he would have gone in the temple and said, oh, by the way, I fulfilled the scripture today. I probably would have been crucified then, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus starts off not in Jerusalem, but in Galilee. He starts off in the place no one would expect the Messiah to be. Think of this. For generations, when you had high holy days, like the Pentecost or the Passover, where did you go? You went to Jerusalem. You made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And sometimes it took a few days. But you went to the place where God resides. When the Messiah comes, he goes to the place where you reside. Isn't that interesting? Nobody would have guessed it. If the Messiah comes, we should all make a run down to Jerusalem. And nope, nope, the Messiah comes and says, I'll come by you. I'll come to you. He may, uh, the, Jesus makes house calls. He
2: did not do many miracles in the whole city. He went home. Yeah. And, and that's where they start yeah. coming into that city because of the miracles.
1: Yeah, so you'll find Capernaum becomes a pretty important place. Peter's house probably was at Capernaum. Anybody been to Capernaum on your little holy trips? Yeah, the house of Peter, that actually looks like a spaceship now because they've got that like churchy thing over top. Uh, It's probably the same house where they brought the the paralytic and they cut a hole in the top and lowered them down. That's why they had to remodel. That's why they remodeled. Uh, probably would have been uh, Peter's, Peter's place, yeah. So it's really significant that Jesus makes this proclamation as he's out and about. And what is, what is significant about the fivefold mission of Jesus? So here's what Isaiah has to say. There's the preaching good news to the poor, proclaiming freedom to the prisoners, proclaim recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, let's take these. The good news is what? We talk about the good news. As a matter of fact, the word evangelism comes from a Greek, oiengellion, and it means good news. The good news is preached to the poor. This is not talking about people who live below a poverty level. The poor are the people who are, as Jesus would say in Matthew five, poor in spirit, right? Blessed are the poor, in spirit. The poor in spirit are the humble, the people who say, there's no way I'm going to work my way to heaven. I just can't do it. I'm, I don't have enough spiritual riches. I'm poor spiritually. So he has come to preach good news to the people who are spiritually humble. The good news is, I've got something for you. The Beatitudes also say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. It's not just about people who are starving, it's about people who are starving for righteousness, starving to be right with God. And this is what Jesus says, that he has come to be able to allow you and me to know that we can be one with God, not because of ourselves, but because of him. And then he says he proclaims freedom for the prisoners. What prisoners? You can never do enough. I, I just can't get out of my sin. I can never do enough. I'm held in bondage. Luther talked about the big three, right? Sin yeah. and death. And the power of the devil. I'm captured by these. I'm imprisoned by these. Which is the whole deal with the the Hebrews in in, in uh, Egypt with the Exodus. It's only God who could get them out of there. It's only God who can get us out of the bondage to sin and and death and the devil. And and it's it's by faith. It's freedom. Freedom. Isn't that what forgiveness is? Isn't forgiveness freedom? We'll talk about that in the sermon. To proclaim recovery of sight for the blind. And Jesus did heal the blind. I, we won't go too deep into this one. Didn't you, as a, as a kid in Sunday school, wonder why Jesus would be spitting on the dirt, making mud, and plastering it on that guy's eyes? Je- what is with that? Kind right? Of cool. It is kinda of cool. I don't know, my mom, every time I spit in the mud and, and, and made, you know, little mud and flicked it at my sister, there was... My, my mom didn't think it was cool. Um, so, uh, what, what blind? Blind to what? Spiritual blindness. Blind to the fact that I am a sinner. Blind to the fact that I can't save myself. Blind to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. So he's given recovery of sight. There's a there's an, uh, John chapter nine, Jesus and the disciples are walking down the road and they see a guy who's been blind from birth and the disciples ask him, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Oh, Jesus said, neither one. But this is so God can be glorified, right? So Jesus heals the guy. He, he now can see, And he's in the marketplace and everybody's like, oh man, we know this guy is blind from birth and then the Pharisees get wind of this. Who did this to you? And what does he say? I don't know know who the guy is. He just said, hey, you know, go wash. The people who could see physically could not see spiritually. And the man who could not see physically was then able to see spiritually. The end of the story is, he got thrown out of the synagogue. Well, as they asked him three times, he kept accelerating who who it was that did it. There you go. I don't know who it was. Oh, it was a prophet. Oh, I, I don't remember the third one, but it was, yeah. it was a higher level thing. Yeah, so this spiritual blindness is going away. It's coming off. Right, And and so, This one who was blind, well we sing that, don't we? Was blind and now I see, it's amazing grace. And so this is what Jesus came, is so that we can see ourselves for who we really are, broken, sinful, lost, condemned. But then we can also see him for who he is, merciful and gracious and kind and forgiving and saving. Um, To release the oppressed. Who are the oppressed? The oppressed are the people who are still working so the rest of you can have social security. (laughs) The oppressed are the people who are living under the the theological thumb of the Pharisees. Can you imagine? how, How far can you walk on the Sabbath without breaking the rules? How do you perform these prayers so that they can be acceptable. How do you get the proper sacrifice made? It it was a form of worship that was very filled with anxiousness. Are we doing it the right way, the right time, with the right instruments? I don't know if I want to worship like that. And, and they, were, they were oppressed under the Pharisees. But the Pharisees, you know, let's not get the wrong impression of the Pharisees. Sometimes we see the Pharisees um, like, a, like Vladimir Putin, right? We're going to inflict a lot of pain on those people. And they're not, I don't see them like that. I honestly see them as people who think this is the right way. Jesus, you're messing everything up. You're hurting these people. You know, uh, I think it's Mark who writes, and on the Sabbath, Jesus did this miracle. And on the next Sabbath, he did this miracle. And it's, it's specific that he says, and on the very next Sabbath, because the Jewish people at the time had this image. If all the Hebrews could keep two consecutive Sabbaths perfectly, then the Messiah would come. So the Messiah comes and he heals on the Sabbath. He messes it all up. What's with this Jesus? Right, so it's like, oh, thanks, Jesus. Now we gotta start all over again. I got a question. Please.
2: Who was the one that determined that two Sabbaths
1: done perfectly? (laughs) Yeah, because I've never read that in the Bible. But isn't it interesting how over the years, When we add things on to the scriptures, it only makes life more difficult. It happened in the garden where the the devil says to Eve, so you can't eat any of the fruit in the garden? Oh, yeah, we can eat any fruit except the fruit that's in the middle of the garden. We can't eat it, and we shouldn't even touch it. God never said that. The human being added that to what God had to say. God said, don't eat it. He didn't say, don't look at it, don't touch it, don't juggle it. He, so, so you're right, here's what happens. We start adding things, why? Here's, here's, here's the deal, if I can get the Sabbath and I can put some regular, you can only take uh, uh, 5,000 steps. Oh, get my Apple watch out, how am I doing on that? Oh, I got 3,000 steps left. And the more little rules I put on it, the more righteous I become the more rules I can make and keep, the more righteous I become. So I've got certain prayers I'll say at certain times. Oh boy, am I righteous, this is really good.
2: Do you think the people in Jericho, with all those miracles, did people from his hometown now kind of go towards I know they went towards the miracles. Yeah. That would be something you'd want to see.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm wondering, yeah, it's a good question. What, after this episode, what's the attitude of the people from Nazareth? Yeah. You know, I wonder, do they go over to Capernaum or, or into Samaria and Jericho or down to... I'm sure some of them had to bump into Jesus during the Passover in, in Jerusalem.
2: And uh, the Pharisees then would
1: say, don't you dare go out there. Yeah, they, they probably, yes, I, the Pharisees were, were rather concerned any time anyone went out to see Jesus.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when the people
1: came and yeah. That. yeah, which is why Nicodemus in John chapter 3 goes at night. You know, there's two thoughts. Either he didn't want to be seen or the line was shorter at night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I kind of stick with the, hey, I'm going to go at night because... You know, the other guys might get a little upset with me if I'm hanging around this guy that they don't like. Yeah, but, but he shows up a couple more times, right? At the very end, he's taken the body of Jesus down.
2: Well, some of them might go to Jesus to get the lunch when he's
1: of- Yeah, <laughs> when yeah, you read John...
2: Those
1: when you read John chapter 6, a lot of people follow Jesus for the wrong reason.
2: Yeah, they were yeah. for the
1: food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Amway, is there, does this Amway thing still exist? I have not heard of Amway in a long time, does it? Uh, I think I told you this before, when we were newlyweds living in New York, uh, someone contacted us and said, oh, we know that you got, just got married and how nice, we'd like to invite you to our Christian group. Oh, this will be fun, you know, it's, we're not members of your church and we're from different churches. And, and I said, oh, why do you get together? Well, we sell Amway. But we're Christians, we're Christians, and it guarantees us success. <laughs> Seriously. I said, tell me about that. Oh, all of us have just sold far more than, than anybody has ever expected. And we've made money. And I said, is it because you're Christian or is it just because you're really good salespeople? Oh, no, it's because we're Christian. We've committed ourselves to God and God is rewarding us. Oh, we're busy that night.
0: Isaiah back then and what we just read um, so the Pharisees actually then interpreted it incorrectly I would assume
1: right um, so I okay let's pretend we're Pharisees and if I look at these five preaching good news to the poor is your Messiah the military leader has come proclaim freedom from the prisoners I'm gonna get rid of the Romans Proclaim recovery of sight for the blind. I'll take care of all of your physical ailments. Release the oppressed. No more taxes. Yeah.
0: So, follow up to that then is, Isaiah wrote this. Was there anyone back in those days that really understood what it really meant? What yeah. What Jesus was saying until maybe this Until
1: story. Jesus proclaimed yeah. it. You know, and, and I think... So the question is, back in Isaiah's day, 700 years before Jesus has come into this world, was there anyone in Isaiah's day who got it, who said it's not necessarily about political, military kind of stuff? I think so. It's, I was gonna say, Isaiah probably picked it up, right? And the prophets, but it was, I still think it was gonna be easy for people at that time to say, no more Babylonian conquest, no more Egyptian conquest, no more Assyrian, um, and, and I think it was just easy to see only an earthly element to this. Did I tell you, I, I didn't sleep well last week, and I was up at like 1.15 in the morning. So I turned on TV and saw the sham, wow, that's pretty cool. But then there was a guy preaching that Jesus is going to come back here and he's going to rule here for a thousand years. He's going to set up his kingdom. Dude, what do you do with Jesus who says my kingdom's not of this world? So even today we get these people with this idea that, oh, Jesus is going to come and get rid of all the military strength on the face of the earth and he's going to rule for a thousand years. No! No! He's got something better in mind. They would have thrown out Isaiah 53 also, right? Yeah, Isaiah 53, you know, how about this guy who's stricken, smitten, and afflicted, right? By his wounds we are healed. Um, and I had, a, <laughs> I had a friend who uh, had a doctor who was Jewish, and he said, I asked my doctor, because he said my doctor is very active in his faith, How would you look at Isaiah 53? And he said, well, we're taught that Isaiah 53 isn't about Jesus or the Messiah, it's about the nation of Israel. Isn't that interesting? Yeah.
2: You know, if you were there and Jesus was there, how did he heal most people? Jesus touched them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know. Well, here's the other thing. This is a good point. Jesus liked touching people. He wouldn't. It wouldn't go well today. Um, yeah, but but here's the thing. The reason Jesus touched people, I think, is twofold. Number one, touch is extremely important. Um, I had a friend who was a resident when we were out east, and he actually had an article published in the New England uh, uh, Journal of Medicine. And he was a, a resident, cardiac, and they, he was working in the emergency room, and they brought a guy in. They couldn't do anything with him, and he was dying, and he had no family. And they moved him to the hallway because they had such an onslaught coming in. And he said, I, I just cringed because I saw this man who is, is in and out, and he's sitting by, laying by himself in a hallway with nobody. And he said, as a Christian, I couldn't handle that. So I asked my supervisor if I could hold his hand until he died, and he said, go ahead. But he wrote an article about this, this importance of touch because ours is a personal God. The other, the other deal, why did Jesus go touching people? Because anybody who had an ailment was unclean. As Soon as Jesus touched someone, the Pharisees would say, that guy's unclean. That, so every time Jesus did something with touch, so, and it's, there's, here's the, the, the widow who's got a son, only son, and he's dead, and they're carrying his casket through, and he reaches out and he touches it.
2: Same with the leper; They had to get out of the town, and
1: they yep. had to go out. Yes, yeah, and then Jesus goes and touches Jesus these people. Up, Anybody ever see a, a, real, a real leper, an honest-to-goodness leper? Oh, I saw him in, in India. That's not pretty. I'm not, I wasn't touching any of them. Ugh. But Jesus had no problem. But then again, ten lepers come, and what does Jesus say to them? Ah, just go. You'll be healed. Doesn't touch them, and on the way they were healed. Jesus also displays that he doesn't need to touch, right? And
2: they always told them to do this, all those illegal things that they're supposed to do. Go
1: Jesus... To yeah. To his- yeah, yeah. For the most part, Jesus was not a good rule follower. He colored outside the lines. Well, here's the last part. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So there was this, in, in, in the Hebrew world, there was every 50 years, uh, people were released of their financial obligations. Now, I don't know about you, but in year 49, I'm buying a big home and I'm gonna get a mortgage. Because year 50, it's clear. What Jesus means here, the year of the Lord's favor is, I love you. Every year is the year of the Lord's favor. And every year is a year of forgiveness. So there's, I notice when I read through here, there's, there's two reactions that the people of Nazareth have. One is amazement. And the other is anger. What's the amazement? From our area to do this. this 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 kid that was yeah, this kid who played little league with my kid is the guy who's out there doing all of these miracles. And he spoke with such eloquence. Yeah. Why the anger? because he's calling himself the Messiah, and he ain't doing much for us. Yeah, he owes us. Um, What's Jesus communicating to the people? So in verse 23, he's got that proverb. um, uh, Surely you're gonna quote the proverb, physician, heal yourself. Yeah, what's he trying to communicate to them? You need to prove to me that you are who you say you are. Don't just waltz in here and proclaim yourself Messiah. What you've been doing in those other cities, you need to be doing here now. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Yeah. And then he talks about Elijah and Elisha. You know, that, that there was a, a great famine, and Elijah didn't take care of a a widow in Israel, but it was a widow in Zarephath. And then Elisha, he cleanses only Naaman the Syrian. And Jesus brings up the fact that these two prophets had helped foreigners. What's so specific about that? Yeah, that's true. I think the Jewish people felt that the Messiah was coming only for the Jewish people. This is even more narrow. (laughs) You should be coming only for Nazareth. And narrow it down to 100 folks. You should only come for us. That's it. And the year of the Lord's favor is about his favor toward all people, not just specific. Uh, so, why would these people want to kill? You? I mean, why not just run him out of town? Why would you want to kill him?
0: Well, I think there, there's also job security. If, if I'm preaching this and doing this and I have a bunch of people and all of a sudden somebody comes, I mean, if they're all going to go to them, won't I be as yes, a Pharisee, and I want to make more
1: room There is a lot of job security. So on the Pharisees' part, i got to get rid of you because you're, you're going to get rid of me. Right. Encroaching. Yeah, encroaching, yeah. Well, how about the people that weren't Pharisees? Let's think about those, the next-door neighbor from where Jesus grew up or the kid who played with him, and they're now both 30 years old. Why would they want to not just get rid of him but kill him? Blasphemy. Might be blasphemy. I
0: think if you follow the money...
1: Follow the money? Yeah, you could have made us. Well,
2: we're going to make all kinds of money, you Now, wait a minute.
1: There's jealousy. Because on the back of all the donkeys, can you see the moms who had bumper sticker? My kid is an honor student at Nazareth Central High School. And then Mary's had, my son's the Messiah. <laughs> so there, there must have been a little bit of angst going on there. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, there's a gross amount of jealousy here. If I'm not going to get what I want, I don't want you to give it to someone else. Let's it. put an end to it right now. That was it. Let's let's just get rid of it, Jim. I understand I the Pharisees
2: were so jealous that Jesus was making too much money, and he, they, they, the big, they hated him because he was the
1: promised. Yeah. Uh,
2: and they said. Uh, they, they, Did the Pharisees, were they
1: they looking for a messiah to come? They were, yeah. The Pharisees were looking for a messiah, but he sure wasn't going to look like Jesus. He needed to come from like a royal family, which Jesus did, but it didn't look too royal. And he needed to be one who really wanted to get rid of the Romans rather than render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, you know, that kind of thing. So he just didn't—he didn't fit the package that they at all. Yeah, yeah, they didn't fit the package. Everything goes back to the Green Bay Packers. Um, the Green Bay Packers back in the late '50s, um, they drafted uh, number two hundred a quarterback out of Alabama, and nobody was expecting too much out of him, right? So you probably remember him as Bart Starr. Yeah, it just took of Vince Lombardi to come in and say, I recognize this. I see what's in there. And some people didn't. Some people did. Some people saw in Jesus what he truly was. Some people didn't want to see in Jesus what he truly was. Because if you call Jesus your savior, then that also says something about yourself, that I can't do it. So this is why John the Baptist would say, I must decrease and he must increase. Yeah, that's what I have to say if I'm going to have a savior. I have to decrease. He needs to increase. Yeah. You know what always astounded me? They're going to throw him off the cliff and he just walks away. How do you do that? An angry crowd, they've already, they've already positioned themselves to the point where they're going to th- throw him down, they're going to kill him. How is it that he's able to just walk away? Help from dad. Help from dad. But I think in their blind I rage, so.
0: like, I mean people get so angry and then they forget what they're angry about and they continue to be angry. and. You just like yeah you just stay angry
1: i'm walking <laughs> away yeah, yeah yeah have fun with your anger yeah. i'm out of here was there another hand someone had number 1 he's god right <laughs> that this it's, and it's the same kind of thing in john chapter 2 his mom says hey they ran out of wine and he goes you know my hour hasn't come his hour hadn't come yet he wasn't going to be killed this way and and a little help from your dad i think so i think he had a little help from from dad, the Holy Spirit had empowered him. So I I just, everything's about timing with God. At just the right time, he sent forth his son.
0: If he was God and said his time hadn't come yet with the wine, he changed his mind, I guess.
1: Yeah, so I think in chapter two of John, when he says my time hasn't come, I think it's more about why he came than when. So I think the idea was kind of like, yeah, okay, Mary must have known he had these miraculous abilities, right? And, and I think for Jesus it was, okay, I'm not necessarily here to be the caterer for your friends. I'm not necessarily here just for this earthly stuff. But I can do it, and I'm more than happy to help. But just understand, what's coming in three years is is going to be a lot different than... Throwing a party here. So his first miracle is about a wedding party. His last miracle is dying for us, so we can go to the real party. Yeah. Amen. Kath. Um, I was going to say. So I think could it be possible that there were Pharisees that wanted to kill Jesus, but not in the literal sense? Kind of like you're dead to me. You know, yeah, heard. yeah, and. Yep, and I think so, you know, and, and I, I really want you to go off the cliff, and I'm not going to push you, but I'm also not going yeah, to anything you're saying. Yeah, and I, th- I really think what Luke's getting across here, it was more the townspeople this time. These are the people who knew him best. Isn't what that odd? Else? I mean, I think we have people today that shut them off. Oh, In you know... TV, yeah, or, or even our culture's attitude toward Christians. Be a Christian, just shut up about it. You know, don't keep talking about your Jesus thing, just keep it to yourself. Just, you know, because he's dead to me. I don't need to hear about it. Yeah, or I'll throw you off a cliff. Yeah. All right, I've got some traveling questions for you. We don't have to go over these, it's just a thought. The fivefold ministry of Jesus is important. I think congregations need to do these five things. Um, in what ways can we be like the people of Nazareth? And how can we become more outward focused as Christian congregations and individuals? So, some 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 things to ponder, my dear friends. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about
0: First Emanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. Have a good day and God bless.